In my youth, um, I remember asking my mom or dad, what does that word mean? And the response would be, look it up, which is, I think, the right response. Look it up. Even if they know, look it up. Um, And so you'd go to the dictionary and you look it up. Now, children, a dictionary (laughs) is a book. (laughs) Um, You know, now we just say, ask Siri or Alexa or whichever AI technology happens to be controlling your life. Um, But, you know, you look it up. So when I'm reading the the gospel um, this week and, you know, kind of considering the homily, um, it's not infrequent, although it becomes more infrequent, thankfully, as uh, the longer that I'm a priest, but it's not infrequent that I'll say, oh, I've never looked that up. So with this one, why were they fishing at night? And when precisely is the fourth watch? I mean, I know, obviously, contextually, it was late, but, you know, I didn't know precisely. So, so I looked it up. Why are they fishing at night? Well, apparently, that was what they would do, fishing with nets, because the nets at the time were visible enough to the fish. I mean, this is just what I read, and, you know, it's on the Internet, so it must be true. Um, it was a fairly reliable source. I think. Uh, but anyway, nets at the time were not uh, uh, translucent, as it were. And so they were, you know, fish are going to swim around things they can see, obviously. So they would fish at night with these nets, and uh, the fish would be more likely to get caught. So it was very common and typical to fish at night with these nets. So they're, they're fishing at night, and Jesus has, has sent them, and he's gone up to the mountain to pray because that's part of what he does. And then we're told, um, while he's up there praying, and we're told it's evening, and meanwhile, the boat, a few miles offshore, now, this is not a little boat, it's, uh, look this up too, well, how big was the boat? Uh, The boat would have been about 23 feet long and about seven feet wide, so it wasn't tiny, you know, it wasn't like a canoe, you know, it was a it could hold a number of people. So the boat, we're told, is a few miles offshore, The, the Sea of Galilee is not a giant uh, I looked this up too. It's about seven miles across, and and but it, it's not giant, but it's it's big enough, you know, to be able to have these these types of waves, etc. So the the boat's getting bounced around because the wind was against it. Then we're told during the fir- the fourth watch, which I know some of you know the sand. There's stuff I don't know. The fourth watch is apparently between three a.m. and six a.m. So. Somewhere in that time frame, Jesus comes toward them walking on the sea. And then we're told they're terrified. So what was interesting to me to consider with all of this is they weren't yet terrified because of the weather. So just hold that in mind. So they they see this image, this person, this figure, because they don't know who it is, uh, coming toward them on the sea, which would be terrifying. Um, so they think it's a ghost. They don't know yet. And then Jesus speaks, no, don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. Oh, okay. Well, if it's you, fine. And furthermore, Peter, who's always the, kind of the most gregarious and ready to, to jump into action, often literally, says, well, if you're doing that, I mean, I'll do it too. Just Command me, and I'll come out, and I'll walk towards you on the water. 
which is, if you think about it, is not the first thing most of us would consider. (laughs) Oh, I'll do that too, you know. Um, uh, He he certainly understands how things sink. And, um, but nonetheless, you know, it obviously has something to do with his relationship with Jesus, and he knows Jesus can do great things. So he understands at some level that if Jesus wills it, he can do it. So command me and I'll come out on the water with you. And says, come, come. So Peter starts, you know, and he began to walk on the water toward Jesus. And then he realized he was walking on the water toward Jesus. He became aware of what he was doing and that it wasn't possible in his estimation. So he looks around him and sees the wind and the fact that he's actually walking on water, and he begins to sink. Jesus, you know, catches him, brings him into the boat. You have little faith, right? This is a, a test. It's, it's clearly uh, the, the guts of this are meant to get across to us a very obvious trust, trust Jesus, keep focused on Jesus, you know, stay focused on his power. Okay. Now, I could just sit down and leave you with that, but, you know, I got to give you your money's worth. So, Let's go back to this idea of when they got frightened. Because I, th- I think there's a nugget here for us to consider, okay? So they are professional fishermen. They are good at what they do. They know what they're doing. So they, they've been in boats. They've clearly been in, in storms. They understand the quality of their vessel. They're not afraid because there's a storm. Because they have it under control. They know what to do. They, they, this is their livelihood. They're, all, by all accounts, quite good at this, right? So they don't really need to trust anything else because they got it under control. But then Peter has this experience of going outside of what he can control as he begins to walk on the water. And when he realizes he can't control it, when he realizes that he is not in control, he begins to sink. So that's the nugget I'd like us to to consider today. Because in our lives, there are those things that that we we do really well, right? Uh, We've been trained at it. We have experience in, in a particular discipline. We have particular talents. And you can throw us into a situation, and we're good to go. We don't really need to think about it. We don't even need to prepare. The better we get at something, we're just good at it. So we don't even get anxious or, you know, public speaking for me, I don't really get anxious or anything like that, which, you know, a lot of people do. But it's, you know, if you don't do it, you don't, you're not going to get better at it. And that's going to be one of those things. So when it's under our control, we don't get anxious. We don't, if you will, lack for faith, but also we don't really need faith when it's under our control. When things begin to get outside of our control, like Peter looking around and realizing he's not in control of this, what's happening, and he begins to recognize that, wait a second, I can't do this. I actually, what what am I doing? I'm doing something I can't do. And he forgets about Jesus because it's Jesus that's doing it. It's not him. I mean, his willingness to get out there, but ultimately it's the power of God. So let's evaluate then in our lives. This shouldn't be difficult. 
how many things we try to control that we cannot. So there are certain things, particularly in professions, where, where, where maybe this doesn't enter in. But when we look at family, particularly, you know, your own children, right? I mean, you have control over them for a time until they're what? Three, you know? <laughs> so we, we know that, uh, we know well enough that the most important stages of helping to, to form a child's um, personality, discipline, etc., um, are these early years. This is one of the reasons we focus on this even with our catechesis and, and have that parental relationship because even with the faith, that's the time you solidify their Catholic identity is when they're little. If you wait until they're teenagers, well, when you're a teenager, part of what you do is you, uh, you begin to uh, you know, revolt against everything that is stable in your you know, sort of livelihoods because you're trying to gain this, this independence. So you, you revolt against uh, everything your parents hold dear. So parents who, who didn't kind of do the work with their kids early on, and then they kind of show up when the teenage years happen, and then they begin to get really religious, it just becomes something else for the, for the teenagers to reject never works. But if you start when they're little, right? All right. But even that, as they get older, and it doesn't take long, there's only so much you can control, but it doesn't take long. You get into junior high, you get into high school, and there's, you, you know, you've seen it, and you've told me, and I've seen it too, and I lived it, for goodness sakes. I remember the question was put to C.S. Lewis about writing children's books. What do you know about children? He said, well, I was one once. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they get older, they get out of your control, and then this becomes problematic for the parent. And the older they get, right, the parent sometimes tries to hold on to too much control, which just creates more problems in the relationship, you know, so that by the time the kids are 40 and 50 and you're still trying to hold on to this control, there's significant diminishing, diminishing returns in that relation. And so parents have to learn to let go, which is... I don't envy. This is one of the tensions in relationships. But, so that's family, you know, or, or even controlling your, I don't know, controlling your parents or controlling um, other relationships, controlling your work, or we can expand this to controlling the world, you know, and the world, our country, the world, whatever, can seem out of our control. And what happens is we want to try to control because that gives us this sense of security. And the tension happens when we try to live that and recognize we, in fact, can't control any of it, very little. We can maybe contribute here and there, but there's very little we can really control of all that's going on. And so the recognition needs to come to us as people of faith is that, number one, the world doesn't belong to us, we have, a, we have a part to play. We need to do the best we can in it, but it belongs to God. Your children do not belong to you. They belong to God. Now, I, I recognize that that can sound, you know, I don't mean it to sound harsh, but, you know, God has given you the gift of children, but he created them. You did not. God creates. Only God can create. They belong to God. He created their souls. 
And as parents, it's your job to prepare them to know him, to teach them who he is, and to live in fidelity to him so that hopefully they will enjoy eternity with him as well. Your, your role is absolutely crucial, but they don't belong to you. Further, we don't even belong to ourselves. And this really runs up against the whole postmodern concept of, of you know, uh, agency and, and, you know, I have the right to do X, Y, and Z. We don't belong to ourselves either. If your children don't belong to you because God created their soul, we belong to God too. We are his. And the, the fight that many of us have in life surrounds this desire to control what, number one, we cannot, and number two, what we have no right to control. Certainly, we have no right to control another person through direct means or manipulative means or, or any other way. And certainly, you know, you raise your children and there is an element of that when they're little, but at a certain point, they're, they need to be liberated. People need to live in freedom and not coercion and control. We don't want that from, goodness sakes, our government. We certainly shouldn't want that from anyone else. So we, the world doesn't belong to us. Our children, other people don't belong to us. We don't actually belong to ourselves, which means we have an obligation to always live as people in Jesus Christ, in fidelity to him, living in his image the best that we can, living in faithfulness to him, understanding that we are called back to him at the end of our lives. And this radically changes, I think, the way those of you who have made this move already spiritually, and there's some of you who are in process, and, and which is most of us, and then some people this might be new. But there's an incredible freedom there when we recognize Essentially, we are not God, and he is. And when we live as his servants, keeping our eyes fixed on him, trusting him, he's going to lead us through the storms. He's going to lead us to do things like Peter initially and in the future did amazing things in his life because of God's power working through him. The more that we can let go of our need to control and allow God his power to reign within us, the greater things that he will do through us and in our lives. Please stand.